guys, welcome back to The Right Type. In today's episode, I speak with Alex Gino, who is the author of Rick, which is out now, and also the author of the best-selling book, George. This has been one of my favourite interviews to do. I love Alex's work, and they are so funny and interesting. And listen to them speak about why they hate tea, and give us a wonderful analogy to do with tea and ignorance. And we also rant about why tolerance isn't enough. And I found out that Alex really likes British TV, so that was so interesting to discover. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode. So Alex, I'm so excited to have you on. I, I love your book so much and I'm so excited for everybody to meet you and like hear this interview. Uh, just introduce yourself to everyone. I'd love to. Um, I'm Alex, you know. I am now the author of three books. Uh, the first is George, which is about a trans girl named Melissa. And the second is about uh, a white girl who's learning about privilege. It's called You Don't Know Everything, Jilly P. And the third one just came out, and it's Rick. And it's going back to the world of Melissa's story, but from a different point of view. So what I love to do as a writer uh, is to write stories that give kids tools to think about what's going on in the world and that's what the books that I've written so far do and that's what I hope to keep doing for as long as they'll let me. And I think your books have been so influential and they're so amazing and you just do everything so well and um, I remember reading George a few years ago and it definitely changed my life. Um, I thought about myself differently, I thought about the world um, a bit differently as well and it's just such an like an amazing book to have and I'm so glad it exists. Thank you, thank you very much. Thanks for having me here. I'm so happy to have you. I'm so like, I'm still like starstruck to be honest. <laughs> um, I, well, I am also honored to be here. Um, I know that you've created this as a space for marginalized people and I know that I am a white person who grew up in New York as an English speaker um, and I have, I'm a citizen here and I have a whole bunch of privilege. Um, I'm really only one step away from white guys so you know thanks for for including queer stories in, in what you're doing here. Thank you. And actually, could you just let everybody know what your publishing journey was like um, from the beginning to now? Um, I think it's so interesting hearing everybody's perspective, especially as queer creators. Um, it's just so important to show that we can all do it and that we all have a space in this industry. Absolutely. Uh, so I was a writer from before I could write, which is to say that I would dictate stories to my parents and they would kindly write them down or at least I assume they did because I couldn't read them they might have just been scribbling nothing uh, and as I got older I was very much interested in reading and writing and when I was about 9, 10, 11, 12 years old is when books meant more to me than anything else so I got to high school and I still thought of myself as a writer. I got through college and still thought of myself as a writer in theory. And I was queer at the time and I went to the bookstore and I went to that, that section of literature that I had always loved for kids and there was nothing there. Um, this was before 
queer penguins. Um, and so I just figured I could try out a story. I didn't think it would get published and go anywhere real, but I could get it to some kids through PFLAG and it would be something. And so I started writing and it turns out that writing a book is really hard. Um, and it took, it took 12 years start to finish roughly. Mm -hmm. And it went through a number of revisions. Editing is 90% of writing and I would show it to people and get feedback and show it to people and get feedback. And then finally in 2013, uh, culture started to shift and I realized that it actually this book actually really about a trans kid really could get published and that's when I started to seek out agents and did got a wonderful person Jennifer Lawford in my life and did more revisions with her uh, and then we sent it out in 2014 and it was picked up that week wow um so it's a it's a 10 year overnight success um so it's not everyone's story and every story in publishing is different um i'm not saying that if you wait 10 years and then send it out it will get picked up i'm not saying you should wait 10 years uh but that's that's my weird writing story thank you so much for sharing and i've actually heard somewhere that the average overnight success takes 10 years yep so that's so it's interesting because i've even heard from like um other authors who people assume were like overnight successes that it did take just about 10 years so um that is funny and thank you for sharing that because um it just it's number one people think that books are easy to write they're like i'll just write a book you know it's easy extra money (laughs) um but also people um need to hear that you know um if you see that there's a gap in the market and you're not seeing the stories you want to read um you could be the writer that makes that happen Exactly. And that brings me to the next question, which is, I was wondering what your inspiration for Rick is. I actually was looking at the synopsis um, and when I saw Melissa's name, I was like, oh my God, Um, I was so excited. Um, So could you just tell us your inspiration for actually both Rick and George? Sure. Um, So Melissa's story, which is what I called George, uh, was basically what what story could I write that could have a trans main character and what story would I want to write and how would I want to show it and if I were writing it now it would certainly be different in some ways it is definitely a product that I of the fact that I was starting it in 
everyone wanted a sequel. Well, not everyone, but there were lots of calls for a sequel. And in order to have a sequel, I would have to have another plot, right? And in order to have another plot, I would have to have a problem. I would have to have things go wrong. And frankly, I want Melissa's life to be too simple and too boring to allow for a book. Um, but there was always a character in the story that I was intrigued by who is the bully's best friend. Because I've been bullied. I know what that story is. It's no fun. Uh, I know that there is a cycle of violence that creates the bully, and I've, you know, read up on that, um, done some therapy there. Um, but in terms of someone who's hanging out with the bully, what does it mean for someone to be so afraid of being alone that they'll let things slide because they didn't affect them? And when you get to junior high school and have new possibilities and new opportunities, is that a time that you can you can say, you know what, I don't, it's not even that I don't like you personally, I don't like who you are, and I don't want to be around you. Uh, and that's, that's the, the heart behind Rick. That's really uh, interesting. Like, I've always thought about the psychology of the bully and even you know they always say that whoever you hang around with like um whoever you like choose to have in your company is a reflection of you in some way um and so that's such an interesting thing to try and like delve into um i'm so excited to read it your uh publicist sent me a copy i'm so excited and i was wondering so you mentioned um not seeing a lot of books that like that and everything um and also one thing to say um about like you know how you said that you might not have written a trans girl if you had written it today it's interesting because i always say that when you haven't got like representation or examples of who you are like in the world you then don't have language um or the ability to articulate um things as well because um i definitely know that if i was writing 10 years ago i would not be writing a black character because i I wouldn't have known that i could write a character like me um and so i think that yeah i just think that the more representation we get the more you can understand how to even tackle that in a book um so i definitely understood that but yeah i was wondering what are your favorite queer books? It's a very evil question, I know. <laughs> and what are some queer books that changed your life? No, so you're right. Uh, if we don't see things in books, it's hard to realize that they could be in books, mm-hmm. and it's hard to realize that they can be real. Mm-hmm. So there's some extent to which being able to read it in a book is a way of saying, well, maybe I could be that. Yes. And that's what I try to do with with what I'm writing. And that's why there is so much language. In Rick in particular, there's a middle after school, middle school, well, that's complicated, but yeah, middle school, after school uh, group. It's called the Rainbow Spectrum. And they're LGBTQIA+. And they have lots of conversations about language. Because there are kids now who are having those conversations, and it's an absolute 
benefit to them. And so I wanted to write that in a book for other kids to get to see it as well. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question, <laughs> um, I didn't really grow up with queer books. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about it, and the closest I can get probably is Anastasia Krupnik by Lois Lowry. And I don't know if you know those books, but she was a very quirky, bookish, weirdo girl, and I connected with that a lot. Um, The first time that I saw the word genderqueer in a book was when I was 19, and it was Gender Outlaw by Kate Bornstein, and that book saved my life. Um, That book changed my life. That book, uh, the subtitle is On Men, Women, and the Rest of Us, Mm -hmm. and I kind of looked at the book and I said, there's a rest of us? Like, why had no one told me that there was a rest of us? Um, And that's infuriating, and also it was enlightening to know it. and now there are so many great books that when I knew that I was going to be talking about books that I like, I have like a list now of 15 books here that are all so fabulous, and so many of them have come out recently. Um, and I'll just like mention a few, but there's just such a range now that there wasn't that it's amazing. Um, I love Two Boys Kissing by David Levithan. I love that book. I know. Um, it is... It holds a space for the generation of men who were taken down by AIDS mm-hmm. in a way that is so modern and yet brings history to queer kids. And I just... I love everything about it. Um... There's also Bingo Love, which I don't know if you've seen. It's uh, it's a graphic novel by T. Franklin, and it's these two southern, southern U.S. black women who met when they were very young, and it was the 60s or so, and they were not out, and so they both ended up getting married to other people. Um, And then later in life, they get together. And they get together for over bingo. And it's just adorable, and I love it. Um, I also love When Aiden Became a Brother, which is a picture book about a trans kid that is not an allegory. It is not a crayon. It is not an animal. It is an actual child, human child, who is now having, who's already transitioned and is very happy, and their baby sibling is being born and they are nervous that they're going to do the wrong thing, that they're going to not know who this kid is the way that they weren't known when they were born. Um, and those are just just a few of what's out there right now. It's amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. Like, I, I haven't I read the other two. I've obviously read, um, I've almost read everything that David Levithan's published. Um, but I'm going to put those all in my show notes. And if you could send me your list, I'm going to put them in my show notes as well for people to check out um, and see what your suggestions and your recommendations are. But thank you so much for sharing those. Have you read anything else by David? Um, of course I have. He's my editor, so... <laughs> oh, I'm so I've jealous. Been, I've been plenty of emails from him. 
rewriting my stuff. Because when he wrote Boy Meets Boy, he said, you can write a book with a gay character and they can be happy. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be the well of loneliness and the sadness and the badness. Um, And that changed Queer YA. That opened up Queer YA in so many ways. Um, And... Yeah, that made it that I could write about a, a trans kid who who just wants to be Charlotte in her school play of Charlotte's Web. I'm just so jealous in so many ways and so happy that, I don't know, it's just like, it's a cycle, right? I think that once people, um, I don't know, let us in, once they give us a space at the table, once they destroy the table that already exists and like recreate something new. Um, right then there is space for all of us because without David being there, I think so many queer writers, so many writers that are marginalized, they just would not be able to like have entrance into the, the publishing industry. Um, I remember reading his books when I was like a teenager and he literally changed my life. Even just, I don't know, like just the way he wrote, not even the subject matter. It was just so lovely. Um, but I can't believe that I'm so... I'm just so, I'm still so shook that he's your editor. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for sharing those. And if you could have tea with any queer figure, alive or dead, who would you choose and why? <laughs> um, I laugh about this question partly because um, I really hate tea. So I'm going to have some <laughs> coffee, but oh I'm going to allow it. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I want to have a really deep and meaningful and important like uh, person to but really all I want to do is I want to have hot beverages with Oscar Wilde yes (laughs) I love Oscar so much I just I just want to be quipped at for an hour (laughs) and and maybe make him laugh once if I could make Oscar Wilde laugh once like I would coast on that for Um, that's exactly my answer as well to be honest I love yes he's my favorite white person in history Um, (laughs) he's just so phenomenal and also as a British person you saying you don't like tea has hurt my heart but I'm gonna I'm gonna allow it Um, I knew I knew when I said it that it was it was but I didn't want to like you know be like oh well all British people like tea um but my understanding is all British people like tea and I don't know what you got about leaf water um can I can I actually say something serious about that tea coffee thing yes um I joke about it in when I do talks and when I do um presentations because there are a lot of people who say they don't understand being trans and like as if that matters mm-hmm. um that's a very cis-centric comment mm-hmm. to think that you understanding it matters at all you don't have to understand something to respect it exactly and i don't understand leaf water but <laughs> i can provide it and i cannot mock people who drink it Right? Like, it's tea, so it's, like, it doesn't actually have a hurt, so I can joke about it. But if it's something that actually really mattered, I wouldn't do that, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't joke about it. And it just, it's just those little 
little things. Like, you can put out a couple of tea bags and not not make a big deal of it. It's so like, true. Like, um, actually, that's such an amazing example because, like, if you think about it, someone might not, like, understand why someone else likes tea, but it doesn't stop tea from existing or it doesn't stop tea from being, like... Or for, for, it doesn't make you have to hate it. Like, you don't have to, you know, like, want, want tea to, like, not exist or you want it to be destroyed or whatever. Actually, I'm, I'm very... I, I don't know. I'm... People call me radical, I guess, but I just don't... As in, same with you, I don't care for people if they don't understand things. But also, I'm just kind of like, I want more than tolerance. Um, yeah. I need you to get over yourself and just learn. I don't really care. I kind of just like block people out of my mind that just refuse to want to care. And I don't like tolerant people. So yeah, I want more than that. So great, a great example. And I love that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't want to be tolerated. Yes. I mean, if you're going to tolerate me, go ahead. Like, that's better than, than like, pulling a knife. But, mm-hmm. no, actually, I don't want your decision that I'm acceptable mm-hmm. to, to... No, you don't actually get to decide that. Exactly. Like, I don't know what you know about, like, Britain, but that's kind of how I describe Britain. It's, like, a place where people think that they're amazing because they kind of tolerate people and they're like we're a very tolerant country and I'm like that's not a good thing (laughs) it's really not it is so judgy it is right because what it says is that I tolerate this but I don't like it right Mm -hmm. I I am doing you a service exactly there's conditions attached right and that's actually in a lot of ways that's the view on transness that I grew up in mm-hmm. that it was a service to someone to use their name how good of you for doing the work of, of changing the pronouns that you do for someone and it is so hard and, and you have to understand that it's just a lot of work and I am so over that honestly same I just don't care for it I think it's lazy um, and I don't think anyone deserves a pat on the back or cookies for that. No. <laughs> um, people will say I'm mean for that, but I don't care. I'm getting older and I'm just going to support people that support me and support people that I support. So, yeah. I, I, do, have a, I do have a question, okay. given that you are British. Yes. You said cookies, not biscuits. Oh, oh, this is like a big debate amongst me and my friends. Yes. I mean, cookies are a thing here, but specifically cookies for us are like soft and then biscuits are hard. Okay. Yeah. Well, like, I think of it, when I think of biscuit, I think of, like, a digestive biscuit. Yes. Um, um, I mean, biscuits are, like, digestive biscuits. Like, that type of texture and, like, consistency. But, like, a chocolate chip, you would call a cookie? Well, I mean, we have something called Maryland co- cookies. Uh, or biscuits, I mean. Um, and they're chocolate chip technically, but they're hard. And then there's cookies okay. that are soft that you kind of would, like, bake. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I just thought I was surprised that you talked about giving out cookies. I didn't know whether that was like, like whether that translated in any way that you gave out biscuits, but that was just my American <laughs> focus on the universe. Sorry about that. No, it's fine. Actually, I'm so self-aware about like Americans and their, like the different things that they say that sometimes I will kind of adjust what I'm saying so that it's understood more widely. 
That's so funny because so much of what I watch actually is British. Oh my so, god. So I mean, yes, like like Bake Off and stuff, but like I watch a ton of QI. Oh my god. Um, I know, <laughs> and and just yeah, just a lot of the the, the game shows. Um, eight out of ten cats does cat that count yes, down. Yes, I like love that. that so much. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I do. I didn't know that about you. I'm actually, um, I love British, um, what quiz shows, I guess you'd call them. Like, um, I feel like it's not something that is as American. I don't think they have the same type of format. Um, but we have so many things like eight out of 10 10 cats and stuff. And it's just so nice. I just love watching it. Yeah. I also, my, my latest obsession is Taskmaster. I've never heard of that. Oh, Greg Davis and Alex Horn. Okay. that's just so interesting because I feel like um, I hardly meet anyone that isn't British that watches these types of shows like if they watch British shows it's usually maybe reality TV Um, but I didn't know that there were people outside of Britain that would even be interested because it's such a weird concept when you think about it like even just like 8 out of 10 cats is just kind of like people sitting around a table talking about politics but like in a fun way and then also doing kind of stupid things so it's like it doesn't sound interesting at all, um, but it really is. <laughs> but it really is. And there are certain parts where I have to go, okay, they're talking about someone I don't know. But <laughs> I've watched enough now that on Taskmaster, they'll talk about, is it Laura Dern? Who's yes. on? Yes. And I'll be like, oh, I know who she is. And it's like, yeah, it's absolutely this totally other little world that I enjoy. <laughs> I love that. Um actually I, I need to hear more about that um about that like later but um we'll do that after the podcast it's just me like no one else here knows about sarah pasco or any of that stuff uh, it's just me honestly i feel like you must be right because i've never ever in my life heard an american person talk about this um <laughs> at all do you watch anything else like do you watch british like just normal british tv i mean i watch Doctor Who. okay um uh no, not really. Like, I don't watch the sitcoms. I can't do the upstairs, downstairs, stuff like that. Do you not like sitcoms in general? Or, like... I do like sitcoms. I don't know. It's... it's. I like modern sitcoms, but... No. I don't know. It just they've never worked for me. I did Monkey Python as a kid. Okay. Because I have a really good recommendation. It's not a sitcom, actually. It's just, like, a teenage TV show. Yeah, no, go for it. So it's called My My Fat Diary and it's one of the best TV shows. Have you watched that? I have not watched all of it but I've seen parts of it. Oh, it's it changed my life as a as a kid. It's so good. Give it another go. I had bad um audio on it, but I will try to find it again. Um I also love chewing gum. Chewing gum, oh my god, it's amazing. Have you watched Fleabag as well? I have not yet. I have not gotten to it, but Chewing Gum and Fleabag are like the same. 
Okay, so this this has just turned into the the, the British TV podcast. <laughs> Love this. You're gonna have to cut all of this out. <laughs> no, I'm gonna keep it in. <laughs> oh, right, because you have a British audience, and they're all gonna be like, exactly. Hey, what do you know about John Richardson? Because I do. Okay. Okay. No. Um, my favorite is David Mitchell. Okay. I could watch him on a rant any day. I'm if. Wow, what would you talk about? About how civilized people drink tea and we're not civilized. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, I, I really, I'm so glad you like British TV because I, I really, um, I mean, I watch a lot of American stuff. I think everyone in the world does, but um, I find it so rare to find someone outside of the UK that actually, you know, watches the things that I grew up watching. So it's just so nice to hear. <laughs> Um, and my last question for you is what do you want readers to take away from reading Rick? Um, so Rick is entering sixth grade and he's at a time of change. He's got new people around and it's an opportunity. And so what I'm hoping that folks come away from Rick is is with the real with some awareness that things can change. And you can change things, and that a time of change is an opportunity to dive into it and really check it out. And there's a lot of language in Rick that people try out, and maybe they will stick with that with that terminology, and maybe they won't. Rick toys with the notion of asexuality, and maybe he will always be asexual, and maybe he won't. Um, and whether it's a phase really doesn't matter because all of life is a phase mm-hmm. um, and live the phase you're in right now. Do it. That's amazing um, advice and an amazing message. Um, I think so many teens and even adults, um, they, they, I don't know, we're all kind of afraid to explore who we really are and break out of the molds we've been given, you know? So I think it's so important. Our whole life is like, just trying to find out who we really are so what does it matter if you find out something else and that feels more right for you um yeah thank you so much for being on my podcast today Uh, could you just tell us where we can find you if you have any socials or uh, a website sure thing um my my best social is twitter where i am the letter l x g i n o it's like alex but someone had already taken alex so it's just <laughs> clever right yeah. but i don't have to explain it every time so it's not very clever it's alex you know um and i am also i have a website which is my name spelled out alex com. thank you so much well, thank you do you have any last words yeah i do okay um we are in times of change and I didn't even realize that when I said that comment about Rick and times of change. But this is a time of change. This is a time of panic. Uh, this is a time of stress. And uh, it's also a time of change. So maybe this is a time to think about priorities and figure out what's important. And um, maybe drop some things that aren't and pick up some things that are. <laughs>